Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. But what I'm going to do today is continue what we started a few weeks ago, which is talking about the kingdom specifically out of Matthew chapter 13. So for the rest of the month, we're just going to be in Matthew chapter 13. This is this spot where Jesus just gives one parable after another, and he's describing what the kingdom of heaven is like, one right after another. And what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you out of the parable of the wheat and the weeds. That's why Marcus read that scripture up front to us this morning. So we're going to look at the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And here's why we're doing that. Uh, We're doing that because, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, there's several people in the room this morning. And in the last two years in particular, uh, our church has been disrupted in profound ways, uh, as has been the case of every other church in the world and has been the case of every other group, community, institution, however you want to call it. Uh, There's just been tremendous amount of disruption. And so here's what's happened. A lot of you who are in the room are brand new. And one of the things that we've heard over and over again in the last six months in particular is, why do y'all talk about the kingdom of heaven so much at the vineyard? Like, what is this? Why do y'all keep talking about that? We keep getting this question. And so we want to we answer that. And that's why we're going to talk about this month. Like, why do we talk about it? Here's why. Because it's the main and central message of Jesus He talks about it over and over again. And for this month, we're going to look at parables specifically from Matthew chapter 13 to investigate, like, what is God's kingdom? What's it about? Why is it such a big deal to Jesus? And then a little bit later, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus doesn't just tell stories uh, with his own words, but oftentimes the things that Jesus does are demonstrations of the kingdom. And they're another way to understand what is God's kingdom. We're going to look at that later. But this month, we're just looking at the parables from Matthew chapter 13. And um, we're going to look at the parable of the wheat and the weeds this week. Marcus read the first part from chapter 13, 24 through 30. Here's what I want to do. I want to read the back end section, which is from Matthew chapter 13, 36 through 43. And this is where the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, hey, you were telling this story. We're not sure exactly what it means. Can you just fill us in? And so if we can put it up on the screen, uh, it goes something like this. It says, then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus had been teaching to a big room, came inside to a smaller room with his disciples. Uh, Jesus went into the house and his disciples says, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Something about it got him. And Jesus replied, here it is, guys. The son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out, And burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. 
Anybody who's got ears should listen and understand. That's this morning's parable of the kingdom. And if you're listening this morning, you you have to admit, that's a hard word. (laughs) Jesus is not messing around. Uh, Don't you love it when Jesus shows up and he says things that sort of go the opposite of the way we assume that they'll go? Isn't it true that mostly we think that Jesus is the cuddly one in the Trinity? And then all of a sudden he shows up and he tells this story. It's like, hey, yeah, here's what it is. Uh, there's, a, there's a field, there's wheat, there's some weeds in it. And at the end, we're going to gather up all the wheat and we'll gather up all the weeds. We're going to separate them. We're going to burn the wheat. We're going to burn the weeds. And we're going to keep the wheat. End of story. You're like, wow, what about this? Well, here's what I want to do this morning. We want to dig into this as an exploration of God's kingdom. But before we do that, uh, I want to I ask you this. Uh, who here has ever planted a garden? We're all Kentuckians. Anybody ever planted a garden? What do you do? You go out, you, you, till, you till the ground up, uh, maybe you remove the rocks, uh, you, you try to get all the grass out, and, and, then, and then once you get everything just right, it, it's always so pretty, isn't it? Like, like the ground is all browned, and, and it's like perfect, and the soil is soft. And, and how many of you like the smell of the soil when you till it? You know what I mean? It's like, there's something that's just good about that. And you don't even know why it's good, right? Like, because if you were to tell someone, I think dirt smells good, it, it sounds weird, but, it's, but we also instinctively know it's true, isn't it? And so you, you till it up and everything smells really good and it looks really good. And then you're like, okay, what are we going to plant? Well, we probably want to plant some tomatoes and we want to plant some corn and then we want to plant some cucumbers. And, and here's a tidbit. For all of you who have maybe never planted anything, all you need is two cucumber vines. That's all you need. You think you need more. You don't. Uh, if you're going to plant zucchini, you need one. That's it. And, and because here's what happens with cucumbers and zucchini. They make so many you can't even eat them all. And then you take these giant zucchinis to your neighbors. And I just want to tell you, nobody wants that. <laughs> don't leave it on my porch. We're just going to throw it into the woods. You know, ain't nobody want that giant zucchini. Like you need, you need one cucumber plant and you need maybe one zucchini plant. Plant more corn than you think you need because everybody wants that, you know. And tomatoes, yeah, plant a few extra of those. But it, what happens? You plant it, the, the ground is perfect. Everything is beautiful. You feel like, you feel like Martha Stewart, you know, you, before she went to jail. <laughs> Before she met Snoop, you know, back when Martha used to be wholesome, you know, you feel so good. Everything's planted and and you feel like I am getting in contact with my ancestors or, you know, you feel great. And then the next thing that always happens is, is you go on vacation, right? You go on vacation, you go to Florida. And if you're from Kentucky, you just, you go to the Gulf, you go somewhere in Alabama and you you eat shrimp, and then you come home, you come home from vacation, and what has happened to your garden? It's filled with weeds, right? It's filled with weeds. That's exactly what happened. And not only that, but you didn't plant the weeds. Uh, furthermore, you didn't even want any weeds. But there they are. And um, it's just the wildest thing. Here, here's the first thing I want you to know this morning uh, about life and, and even about this parable. Um, First thing, number one, good soil grows everything. Good soil grows absolutely everything. Good dirt will grow 
everything. That's actually important as we set out to be kingdom people to keep this in mind. We can expect all kinds of stuff to grow in us, in our community, and also in the world. Good ground grows everything. I'll just tell you a, a real quick story from here at the vineyard. One of the things that we've learned just pastorally over and over again uh, here at the church, just by doing community, doing life, and, and doing church together, uh, it's this. The healthier our church gets, the weirder it gets. <laughs> Good things will grow, and the healthier our church gets, the more bad stuff grows. Why? Because good soil grows everything. Everything comes out. The better it gets, the weirder and more diverse it gets. The more good fruit you'll see that comes, and at the very same time, the more weeds and all kinds of things you never planted will spring up. Why? It's taking advantage of the good soil. That's it. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to break this parable of Jesus into four movements. If you're taking notes, you can put them down in a column somewhere. Four little movements, and here's what I want to talk to you about real quickly this morning. Four things. Number one, I want to talk to you about contested. The kingdom of God is contested. The second thing I want to talk to you about this morning is allowance, or you might want to write the word sovereignty down. This, this, is, this is a parable about allowance and about God's sovereignty. Uh, number three, uh, this, is, this is a parable about patience and waiting. You might want to write the word patience down. And then number four, uh, this is a parable about judgment and harvest. Let's jump into contested. Uh, the first thing I would like to say to you based on this parable about the kingdom of heaven is this. Uh, the kingdom of God is contested. At every single moment and every place where God is working, there are other forces working as well. Did you notice the story that Jesus tells? Farmer goes out, throws good seed on good ground, it sprouts, but what else happens? Weeds sprout. And where did they come from? The enemy, right? So right in the beginning of this story, Jesus is telling us a story about the kingdom of heaven, but he's telling us a story about the world, right? He's telling us a story about you and me and life. He's telling us a story about his intentions and about the goodness of God. But he's also saying that at every place the kingdom is at work, it is challenged and it is contested. In the very same moment that God is doing stuff, the enemy comes and he sows weeds in the field. This is, this is important for us to know. Uh, in the very places that God is working in your life, you can expect the enemy to come and to try to sow weeds in those very same places. Uh, here at the church, if God begins to move, guarantee it, we'll get some weeds as well. Uh, at your school, uh, pray for God to come and move. Uh, he will move. In fact, he's already moving. Begin to pay attention and notice it. Here's the other thing you'll find. There will be weeds and challenge to that kingdom immediately, every single time. Uh, when Jesus was born, Herod tried to kill all the babies. Y'all remember that? What is that? The kingdom comes and here, here comes the devil with some weeds, right? Immediately, it's contested and it's challenged. When Jesus would go preach, think about all those moments in the gospels where Jesus would go out and preach. What would happen almost every single time? A demon would jump up in somebody, right? Son of God, what have you come here to do with us? That's how demons sound, guys. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah, that's, that's how they sound. 
Demons would manifest and try to shut Jesus up or try to scare other people in the room, you know? Jesus would start talking about how, like, Jesus would tell some story, you know? He'd be like, he'd be like hey, give me that scroll from Isaiah or something. And then all of a sudden, somebody would go nuts. And, you know, on the one hand, everybody's excited because Jesus is teaching and he's got authority. And then, then some demon guy goes nuts right in church and scares everybody half to death. And wh- what is that? Oh, it's just, it's, it's weeds in the wheat. It's weeds in the wheat. Uh, one morning here at the vineyard, this has been about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, uh, I start preaching and right in the middle of nowhere, I mean, right in the middle of nowhere, someone jumps up and starts screaming bloody murder and saying all kinds of crazy stuff about me, you know? And what was it? It was just a gospel moment of like a demonic influenced person jumped up in this room and went bananas and Marcus had to carry him out the door. That really happened here. That really happened. What is it? Everywhere there's wheat, there's weeds. The kingdom of heaven is contested. It's contested. Jesus would heal a man in the temple. This is like Mark chapter three. Here's one that's like, will blow your mind. Jesus will heal a man in the temple. In Mark chapter three, what's the very next thing that happens? The temple rulers want to what? Kill Jesus. For, you want to kill the guy who's healing? Yes. What is it? It's, it's weeds in the wheat. The kingdom is contested. Uh, do this. Uh, go out, go out and, and try to be a person who grows the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody ever done that? Everybody, anybody ever read Galatians and thought, you know what? This is not just for children. I'm going to grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. I'm going to grow these things in my life. What's, what's the very next thing that happens in your life? You get challenged. Big time. Uh, who, who here ever, ever said, you know what, God, I want to be generous like you're generous? Anybody in here ever decided, I'm going to be a generous person because God is generous? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is a giver. I'm going to be a giver. What's the next thing that happens? Your car breaks down. You will be challenged. There will be weeds in the wheat. Decide that you're going to be a Jesus person. You're going to get challenged. Uh, uh, maybe you're an addict and, uh, and, and maybe you've decided to get clean. What's the next thing that'll happen? All your addicted friends will come over and try to talk you out of it. What is that? That's, that's weeds in the wheat. The kingdom of heaven is always contested. Jesus sows the seed and lo and behold, other seeds get sown on top of it. It's good to be clear eyed in our kingdom endeavors. It's good to have our hearts, our hearts open and aware of what God is doing, but it's also good to have our heads on a swivel as the old ball coach says. There was a snake in Eden. There was a Judas in the 12. There's weeds in the wheat and there'll be challenge in the kingdom. This is, this is something everybody here who wants to be a disciple of Jesus needs to know. As soon as you take that challenge seriously, you will be confronted. And here's what I want you to know about that. When that happens, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not necessarily moving in the wrong direction. You know, you decide to be a Jesus person. You decide to be generous. Your car breaks down. You, you pray for patience. You get tested. All the things, right? And, and here's, what you, here's what I want you to know. It doesn't mean you're moving in the wrong direction. It might mean it's going perfectly. Uh, this, is why, this is why the old mantra of like... Um, 
I only move in the direction of peace is largely garbage. You know, it's like uh, people who do the wisdom test, it's like, well, I just, uh, you know, I'm praying about the things that bring me peace. Well, that might be the direction you need to move, or it might be the exact opposite direction you need to move because the kingdom of heaven is contested. Sometimes it won't be peaceful. Sometimes we need to move right into the direction of the challenge. This is part of the kingdom message. It's not a sign that anything's going wrong. I'll tell you one more little story. This week, I was reading a long article about Christian mysticism. There's a, a guy, he's like a PhD guy. And he's, he's essentially a historian and he's studied the Christian mystics, starting with the Desert Fathers all the way up. St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, all the people that maybe you've heard of or maybe you haven't. But anyhow, he was talking about the Christian mystics and I was very, very interested in one of the moments that he was talking about. He was talking about how in general, inside of the life of the saints, especially those that the church has recognized and venerated, inside of the life of the saints, people who have had profound experiences of the love and presence of God, oftentimes their life will be marked by seriously long seasons of feeling God's absence. So for instance, uh, how many of you have heard of Mother Teresa? Most of Mother Teresa's life, she felt like God was not there. Did you all know that? She lived most of her life seriously depressed, feeling as though God was absent from her. Yet every single day, she got up and was faithful to the call that she had been given to care for the poor in Calcutta. What is that? What is, that doesn't fit our narrative all, all the time, does it? What is that? It's weeds in the wheat. It's weeds in the wheat. Expect to be challenged. Expect to be challenged. Uh, here's our part. It's very simple. Our part is simply faithfulness, endurance. Faithfulness and endurance in the moments that we're challenged. Okay, number one. Number one. Contested. Number two. I want to talk to you about allowance. If the kingdom of heaven is contested, it brings up this question. What kind of farmer lets the weeds stay? What kind of farmer lets the weeds stay? The, the help come to the farmer and they're like, hey, you want us to pull those weeds out? And he's like, no, I'll just let them stay. What kind of farmer says that? After all, they're going to compete with the wheat. And if the weeds go to seed, it could become a perennial problem. I mean, you know, if you, let, if you let the weeds just grow and, and the head of those weeds flower and goes to seed, guess what you have next year? More weeds. You have, you have more weeds. We ask this question about this parable, but we also ask it about life all the time. We ask things like this, God, why don't you do something about the way the wicked prosper? Anybody ever had that thought? It's an Old Testament thought. Why do the wicked prosper? Anybody ever considered that? Like, why is it going like this? Or why do bad things happen to good people? Anybody ever had that thought? Like, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? And why is life so messed up? Why is that? Why does God allow all of this stuff? 
this parable is putting its finger on, on one of our most, most precious human desires, which is this. We want God to intervene, don't we? We want God to intervene. We want God to intervene in all kinds of things. We want him to intervene in our lives when things are not going well. We want him to intervene when somebody is sick. We want him to intervene in Syria when there's genocide. And here's the thing. We pray for it. And, and here's the other part. God does intervene. He oftentimes does intervene. And in the cross and in the resurrection, God became not only the sower, but Jesus became the one who was sown and a harvest did come and is coming. But sometimes, and not just sometimes, often God does not intervene, at least not on our timetable. Instead, he allows the weeds to grow. And so we ask more questions. Anybody ever experience what I'm talking about here? Like, why, God? Why is this? I want to read you, I want to read you a paragraph from the scholar N.T. Wright about this passage and about this question. Tom Wright says this, would people really like it if God were to rule the world directly and immediately so that our every thought and action were weighed and instantly judged and if necessary punished in the scales of his absolute holiness? If the price of God stepping in and stopping a campaign of genocide were that he would also have to rebuke and restrain Every other evil impulse, including those we all still know and cherish within ourselves, would, be, would we be prepared to pay that price? If we asked God to act on special occasions, do we really suppose that he could do that simply when we want him to and then back off again for the rest of time? Dang, Tom. Why you got to write that, Tom? Freedom is a curious thing, but we've read the text this morning and we know that at the end, there's a harvest. There's a moment when the wheat and the weeds are separated, but we're living before that moment and it requires patience and waiting. That's what a lot of these parables in Matthew chapter 13 have inside of them, either explicitly or implicitly. Uh, the first parable is the sower. He goes out and sows seed on four soils. There's a period of waiting before it sprouts, right? In this parable, the farmer sows the seed. There's waiting for it to sprout, but then there's also a waiting for the harvest. In the next parables, a uh, parable about a little bit of yeast in a dough, and uh, it takes a while for that yeast to work all the way through. And there's a parable about a little tiny mustard seed that gets put in the ground and becomes the biggest tree. How many of you know that the smallest seed doesn't become the biggest tree overnight. It takes time. What does this mean about the kingdom? God is allowing things. God is permissive. God is patient. And it means there, there's an aspect of our discipleship that is going to require patience and waiting. The kingdom comes. It's challenged. The kingdom is a place of freedom. And the world set right is something that we're waiting on. And you might be asking, well, why are we waiting? Well, here's why we're waiting. We're waiting because God is patient. God delays so that the, the harvest can mature. And here's the other reason. God delays so that everyone and everything has its chance. Uh, here's what I want you to know, church. There will, be, there will be no judgment on things that are not obvious. 
In the end, every single thing will be obvious. Uh, Peter says it like this in his epistle. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. We can put that up. Peter says this. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everybody to repent. Why, Why is the Lord slow? Why? Because he wants everyone to repent. It's God's kindness that makes him patient. And aren't you glad that God is patient with us? A big part of God's kingdom is waiting. There's 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. 400 years. 400 years. The world is waiting even now. Not only that, Jesus lived 30 years before he did a thing. Jesus was born and he was just the guy working with his dad. He was the guy, but no one really knew it, did they? 30 years of waiting. We've been waiting for 2,000 years. Uh, Maybe we're close. Maybe we're close. Or maybe we're not. Have you ever considered that? Maybe maybe 2,000 years is just the beginning of the wait. You know, if you you stay up late and you watch Christian TV on some obscure news channel, they're probably going to try to sell you a book. (laughs) And the book is going to be about how the waiting is almost over. But can I tell you something? That guy doesn't know anything he's talking about. Maybe we've only begun to wait. We don't know. Why do we wait? We wait because God is patient. And why is God patient? He's patient because he's kind. Whatever the waiting is, it's a manifestation of God's kindness. Uh, One of the things that I've sat with over and over again in my time as a pastor here at the Vineyard is I've sat with people who are waiting waiting on a mate. If you you ever become a pastor, one of the things that'll be in your office every two months is a desperate single who's looking for their husband or looking for their wife. I've sat with so many people and they wait and wait. And and sometimes, sometimes they're like, where is my wife? I want to die, you know? It's really that desperate. I, one time I had a person quite literally fall in the floor in my office. That is not an exaggeration. This person whom I still love fell in the floor, overcome with grief. Where is my mate? Here's the good news, everybody. Every single one of those people found their mate. There's, there's somebody for everybody. Why am I telling this story? I I don't know. No, I'm telling this story because I'm telling this story because all of them had to wait, yet all of them found their person, you know? And what if they had found someone else earlier and it wasn't their person, right? Like God had had worked something out. Like sometimes waiting is just a part of the game in God's kingdom, and it's a manifestation of his kindness. Even now. Even now, the world's all jumbled. A lot of people are sick. Uh, Stock market looks not great. Uh, Russia is moving tanks around. I was coming into into the church this morning, and I was listening to NPR on the way in, and there was a report. Russia's moving tanks around. And not only that, but they're they're moving some boats around in one of the seas over there. I don't know. I'm not really that into geography, but they're, they're moving boats around. 
The world's really messed up. And, and if you put all this together, you, you could have this prayer in your heart. How long, oh Lord? Like, how long? How long is this going to take? How long? Here's the question I've been asking myself this week. Can I resist a weed pulling campaign? Can I resist a weed pulling campaign? Uh, can I resist falling into hopelessness? Here's what I want you to know, church, this morning. This kingdom thing, it takes patience. It takes patience. And every single impulse we have to go on a weed pulling campaign will get us nowhere. It'll get us nowhere. This, this kingdom thing is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Finally, finally, this is a, a little parable about judgment. Make no mistake, one day God's going to set the world right. How many of y'all are looking forward to the day that God sets the world right? Takes everything that's jumbled and he, and he makes it as it should be. Like he's going to set it right. By the way, a lot of times we have this idea of judgment that it's like this super scary thing and it should be avoided. The truth is we should pray that God's judgments would take root in our lives and we should pray that they would have their way in the world because in the end, God is going to set the world right. He's going to set it right. Everything that's out of whack is going to be reset. He says in this parable, the weeds are going to be pulled and the harvest will be brought into the barns. Things are going to get straightened out. And some of us read this and we probably feel a little shocked, especially that last bit about the fiery furnace and weeping and gnashing of teeth. It sounds hectic. But I want you to know two things this morning. Two things. Uh, number one, it is kind of hectic. Uh, and we should take Jesus' words dead seriously. In this people, in this, uh, in this parable, Jesus is talking about people. You know, uh, the seeds are people. You can read that real close. It's not just like the condition of the world. It's like people. We should take these words real serious. And the other thing we should take from this, this little parable that's deadly serious is that judgment's coming for everybody, every single person, you know? Everybody is going to stand with some judgment. There's going to be a harvest of the good, and there's going to be a harvest of the bad. But here's the second thing I want you to know, and it's actually good news. The good news for every single person in the room this morning is this. Number one, there's a harvest. But number two, the good news is this. The harvester is Jesus. Uh, number one, there is judgment. The good news is Jesus is the judge. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who leaves the 99 to go to find the one. That's who Jesus is. Uh, the Jesus who goes to find a weak and retreating Peter and brings him back on his team. The Jesus who welcomes a thief on the cross beside him. The good news is that the one who is calling the shots at the end of the age is none other than Jesus Christ with scars in his hands, spear in his side, crown of thorns on his head. That is the judge. There is judgment coming. You better believe it. But the good news is that the judge is tender and merciful Jesus. This is the good news for us. The good news is that he's going to let the weeds grow with the wheat. And at the end, he's going to separate the two. But the good news is this, that the one who's going to do the separating and the one who's going to do the judging is no other than kind Jesus. This is the gospel to us. And here's what I would like to say finally to the church. Do not become the person who finds no joy in Jesus. Like whatever it is in your life 
bend your heart and bend your will into becoming the kind of person who finds their joy in Jesus. Because in the end, the harvest, the gardener is going to be him. The, 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 the gardener of the harvest is no other than Jesus Christ. Become the kind of person who finds your joy in him and let everything else go. Every other anxiety, everything that makes you nervous, turn it loose because it won't even matter. He is the one that we're going to. Amen. 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 What is the kingdom like? It's like some, it's like some gardening. That's what it's like. In the kingdom, you'll get challenged. You're going to have to wait. And there's going to be some judgment. But the good news is the judge is Jesus. Find your joy in him. Here's what I'd love to do this morning. If you're on the worship band this morning, come on up. We're going to sing another song. But before we do that, I'd love it if you'd stand. We're going to, we're going to pray a prayer this morning. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.